Welcome to John Longwell Media. Creative multimedia, including music, inspirational messages, and audio prose. Today's message is entitled, Jesus is Our Lively Hope, recorded on December 1st. 2019 at Revived Church in Rio Rancho, New Mexico, where John serves as one of the teaching pastors. I pray you will be blessed by the message as you listen. Here now is John Longwell. All right, good morning. Well, I had a few requests today. I need to be done by 11. I guess there's a Steelers game. And Cookie's a little tired, so she wanted me to ramp it up and try to keep you guys awake. Okay, so I'll do what I can do. So with that, we should probably pray. Father God, we do thank you for this opportunity to share your word. Lord, I know that today you have something for each and every person here. If we would come to you today with expectant hearts, we will receive, Father God, either through me or in spite of me. So, Father God, allow me to just get out of the way and allow your Holy Spirit to just speak the words that you have for us today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So, we are officially in the holiday season. I don't know about you, but I can't even believe it's... November and December now. Um, This is a season of giving. Shouldn't just be December. Um, We can freely give any other time of the year. But statistically, 30% of all charitable donations are given in the month of December. And 10% of all annual donations are given the last three days of the year, probably to try to get those contributions in for the tax man. This is the time of the year where the kids complete their wish lists for those things that they'd like to receive in the coming months. But I'd like to make a distinction between the word wish and the word hope because they're very similar, but there is a little bit of a different um, connotation for each. So when it comes to wish, it usually refers to something that's either in the past or the present that we would like to see different. And usually this is something hypothetical. It's usually something that probably could never happen. It's like when I was a kid, I was like, man, I wish I could fly. I wish I could be invisible. You know, something that's kind of a little bit beyond the the scope of reality. Well, then we have the word hope. Now, hope has the connotation of something in the future that we would like as a possible outcome. So before this Thursday, I had hoped that the Saints would win their football game, and they did. And then you probably have people like Jose who wished that the Cowboys could win, but you know, that was hypothetical and they didn't quite get that accomplished. So, <laughs> now um, as, we, as we move on into, as the Bible speaking about hope, there's lots of great verses and I'd like to share just a couple here. In Proverbs 13, verse 12, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Now, sometimes we've been in those situations where we're hoping for something to happen and either it doesn't happen or it's happening is delayed in some way and it causes great disappointment for us. It causes even despair. However, on the contrast, it says when a desire is fulfilled, it's like a tree of life. It's like this magnificent blooming. It's like, wow, that every once in a while you'll be driving through New Mexico and you'll see those plants that bloom for just almost like a couple of days. And they're so vibrant. Maybe they're a, a pink or an orange. And like, wow, it's kind of like that. It's that fulfillment of that time of that year. It's that thing that's then in season. So the Bible also speaks of hope as the very substance of our faith. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it proclaims, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, 
the conviction of things not seen. Most of the verses that I'll be quoting today are out of the um, ESV, the English Standard Version. However, I want to quote the same verse out of the New King James Version because it kind of gives it a neat connotation. Um, Hebrews 11, 1 and 3. Now faith is the substance or the realization of things hoped for, the evidence or the confidence of things not seen. And it says in verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And we know that in, in science, that just that doesn't make sense. You can't have something from nothing. But what we had was something that came from the power of God's word. And God's word still has power in our lives if we will give it place and we will give it preeminence. Now, we apply our faith or the confidence of the things that we hope for to the best gift that we've ever seen, and that gift is our gift of salvation. We know that it's a gift because John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, the best part of this gift is yet to be realized. You know that whole eternal part? Yet we do rest in, in the knowledge that it's real. Romans 8 verses 24 and 25 relates, For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Every Christmas I hope that when I look into my garage, there's going to be a brand new Lamborghini there. I probably shouldn't hope for it. I should probably wish for it. Now, if I did wake up one Christmas morning and there was a Lamborghini in my garage, I wouldn't have to hope for it anymore because I could see it. And that's exactly what he's talking about here. So he says, for in this hope you were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. We can't yet see or enjoy or experience eternal life, but we do hope for it. We wait for it with patience. So the, the Bible proclaims that Jesus is our hope in 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. Now, as Jose had mentioned, we're, we're entering into Advent season. Advent basically just means the coming. And so what we're looking for right now is the coming of the Christ child. So we have this, these four-week buildup starting today, December 1st, all the way through December 24th. And then we'll have the nativity and Jesus um, his birth. And so this is the first sermon in our series. Um, it's our Jesus is series. I'm doing Jesus our, is our hope. Um, I've also annotated that Jesus is our lively hope, and we'll get into that in a minute. And the, in the following weeks, we're going to have some sermons. Jesus is our peace. Jesus is our love. Um, and so the Bible proclaims that Jesus is our hope in first Peter in Peter one, three through five. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Okay, 
So I want to put a little bookmark in the sermon today. And let's, let's just have a little bit of a timeout. So when it comes to our salvation, we all know that salvation really is the fact that we, we've asked Jesus um, to come into our lives, to forgive us of our sins. And in so doing, we now gain access to eternal life. So that one day when we all pass away, we don't enter into this great abyss of nothingness as a lot of people in the world simply believe that you just stop existing. We actually continue on. We basically just change form from this physical dying body to a now imperishable, undefiled existence with God. That's what we believe. We believe that through faith. We, we rest in the security of that. It's kind of like the Christian retirement program, which is really great. But it's a little bit intangible right now, wouldn't you say? I, I was trying to think of an analogy that, that would really capture it. And I thought of it when sometimes when you get a card, you'll maybe get this sometimes from your boss at a company. And they say, a tree has been planted in your name in this forest. Well, that's all well and good. You know, maybe if you're around in 50 years, you might be able to walk through the forest and see some tree that was named for you. I don't know if they put a little plaque on the tree or what. But it's, it's really kind of an intangible gift. You're like, oh, that's great. Yeah, I can really use that today. Or it's like, you know, that great uncle that, you know, he sends you the card and he says, I've opened up an IRA and deposited $100 in that account. Well, if you're my age, that's actually kind of an exciting gift. It's something that I can see just around the corner. But if you were an eight or 10 year old kid, you're like, what's an what's in IRA? And what's an IRA, mom? It, that has no value to you whatsoever. So, and in a way, eternal life is a bit like that right now because we know that we have it, but it's not something that we can really tangibly see or enjoy. And I mean no disrespect against um, eternal life and so what we need to do now is we need to find the tangible part of that salvation gift that applies to the life that we live in the here and in the now. And as we read that verse in 1 Peter, it says that Jesus is our living hope. And what's really interesting is that word living is actually better translated lively and when you think of the word lively, you think of like, you know, a kind of a cool rockin' party where there's good music and great food and some drinks and things like that. It basically means something that's exciting, something that you would be eager or expectant to be a part of. And so Jesus is our lively hope because the expectation conveyed here is one of eagerness and confidence about what is to come. Literally, like an excited child waking up on Christmas morning to behold all of the things that they have been waiting in anticipation to enjoy. This hope is meant to energize our lives today in the midst of our trials and our struggles that we are currently facing. You see, when the Apostle Paul wrote Peter this little letter, he was actually writing to the persecuted Christians in Asia Minor, which is current-day Turkey. He was encouraging them that through their living hope of Jesus, their future would be secure, regardless of the problems that they were encountering in their day. It helped to provide perspective. And as we go in that same vein, we read verses like 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17, that says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory, beyond all comparison. 
He's saying that the things that are going on now don't even hold a candle to the glory that is being uh, stored up for you, ready to be revealed in those end days. And Romans 8.18 shares a similar thought. It says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Okay, John, that's, that's all good and great. But you're still speaking about things that are in the future. How does that affect my circumstances right now? If you guys have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn here. Romans chapter 5, verses 2 through 5. And make this a mental note for your struggles. Because this is, if there's any verse in the Bible that provides a recipe for us, to overcome, it's this little bit of scripture right here. Romans 5, verses 2 through 5. And I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to break it down. It says in, in verse 2, Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that sufferings produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now this verse actually shows us how to unlock the full power of this lively hope. We begin in Romans 5.2. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So let's go back to that card that said, a tree has been planted for you in this forest. Now let's see that behind that card, that little message card, there's like a little pocket and you reach in there and you pull out 10 $100 bills. Wow, this gift just took on a new life, a new meaning. Now you're excited. Now you think about all of the things that you can use that $1,000 for. It's like, wow, I can actually make rent this month. I may even be able to buy some healthy food instead of just all of the $3 junk food that I've been living on for the last three weeks. You, you begin to see now this has some tangible resourcing to, to the life in which you live right now. The grace that we now have access to through our faith is that gift within the gift. We have eternal life, but we also have the living hope of Jesus, which comes to us tangibly through the gift of grace. And within that gift of grace, we have things like mercy. We have things like forgiveness. We have things like strength. All of those things that we need to apply to whatever situation we may be dealing with in our current troubles, within our current struggles. And you see, this great grace that we have access to provides us the resourcing to overcome our suffering. Now, when you're sick, you'll, like I've been sick before, like, you know, you, you, you have that kind of vague, I don't know if it's the flu, I don't know if it's strep, you know, it's just those same symptoms, sore throat, congestion, runny nose, all that kind of stuff. We get it every year, kind of cycles through my house two or three times a year. And there's always that, that, that turning point in the illness where it's like, okay, on this, maybe the fifth or the sixth day, okay, maybe my nose isn't quite as runny or maybe my throat isn't quite as scratchy. And then you feel a little bit of relief. You're like, okay, I'm coming out of this. You know, you kind of, at the beginning times, you're just like, all you want to do is just lay in bed and drink the hot liquids and stuff. But when you get to that point of that turning point, you start to feel just a little bit better and you know that you can, you can get back to full strength. 
The resourcing that we have in Christ during our sufferings provides us that kind of tangible relief for the things that we're, that we're dealing with. There's, there's certain situations that we run into where, you know, maybe your, your budget, you're always living kind of like right on the edge. It's like, I know that I'm, I'm kind of at capacity. And as long as we don't have any big expenditures this month, we know that we'll be able to pay our bills. But in that faith, even when you do have those things come up, doesn't God always provide us like, oh, wow, I got this rebate check that I wasn't anticipating. Or you find the ability to, you know, you get a special deal on the groceries. It's a two for one. So groceries cost you $40 less. God always has a way in his economy of providing for our needs when we look to him. And so that's what God is saying when we look to him during our times of suffering, then we begin to get this outlook, which then lends itself to the very next verse in Romans 2, 3. It says, says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produces endurance. So we have two responses here. We have the ability to rejoice when we see these troubles coming, which isn't a rational response. You don't just look, you know, at something of trouble. It's, in fact, you kind of know those people that are a little troublesome. And you're like, yeah, I don't know if I really want them coming over because you kind of know what you're going to expect. You don't invite those things into where you live, into your abode. But God says you can't avoid them either. And so, you know, sometimes we think that by getting out of one relationship, we're going to escape all of those things that we left behind. But sometimes we take those things with us into whatever relationships, you know, or even into a new job. It's like, oh, my job is horrible and my boss is, is difficult. And then you come to a new job and you're like, oh, man, this new boss is difficult too. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe that's me. You know, there's certain things that we need to acknowledge that maybe aren't just outside of us that are part of that which we bring. And God is saying, I'm, I've given you the resourcing and the ability to overcome that. And you can set that as your mindset. And as we continually overcome those things, we begin to build this endurance. And endurance is basically just the ability to overcome the next challenge. And as we continue to apply this enduring, triumphant confidence to future battles, this demeanor becomes a part of our personality. And in Romans 2.4, it proclaims, And endurance produces character. So basically what character is, is it's just a personality trait that's been proven over time. As you continue to look at the sufferings that come your way and go, okay, that's all right. God is going to provide whatever that is. You endure that. You overcome that. That becomes a consistent part of how you live your life. That becomes a part of your character, a part of your character, a part of your demeanor. And then what does it become? It becomes a part of your confidence. And we're going to see the outcome right here. It says in Romans 2.4, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. There's another, another version that says, and hope does not disappoint because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So basically, this is how we're able to have this lively or this excited, this eager, confident hope. Because we're looking at the beginning of that cycle, that, that struggle cycle, that, that trial, the challenges, whatever you want to call it. We all experience it in our own ways. And not that we're going looking for it, 
But what it just means is when it comes along, you don't have to shrink back from it because you can rest in the knowledge that there will be resourcing for you. You can confidently say, my God is the supplier of all my needs according to his, his grace, his riches, and his mercy. In fact, there's a verse in Corinthians that says that we will have all things at all times so that we may abound in every good work. God isn't just about giving us the ability to subsist, but the ability to overcome. And within that, that's how we get this level of excited hope. So now we see that hope is no longer intangible and beyond our grasp because the gift of grace that accompanies eternal salvation has been made real through the very struggles of our life and bolstered our faith and hope on the other side of those struggles. So I would like us to now look at some verses that maybe people have shared with you when you're going through your struggles. And I'll be honest, I've, I've heard people tell me these verses when I'm struggling and they just read to me like, like a, like a bumper sticker. It's like, okay, great. But when you look at these verses of hope through the struggle cycle and God's ability to provide for us within that, you will see hope in a brand new light. Isaiah 40 verse 31. It says, but they who wait for or hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And just as we said, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick, but desire filled is a tree of life. There are certain times when we are suffering and the resourcing has not yet come. And you may be in that very situation right now. You may be struggling, maybe uh, the difficulties in relationship, maybe difficulties in finances, maybe troubles at work. And you have consistently gone in prayer to God and said, God, would you please intervene in this situation? Would you please show your provision to me? It says, wait for hope in the Lord. And at that time, you're going to be at your six days of your illness. You're going to see the, the, the corner turn and God's resourcing will be there for you. Just wait. It's on the way. You will run and you will not be weary. You will walk and you will not be faint. Another great scripture. In fact, this is one that uh, Pastor Sean had shared a couple of weeks ago. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So I want to conclude today with what I um, hope will actually be a real gift of freedom for a lot of us. Now, we know that the gift process isn't just about receiving, but it's also about giving. In fact, some of the best gifts that I've, that I've ever given have been ones that I know the person really wants. In fact, I, I always try to listen throughout the year. Uh, my daughter, my wife, um, uh, my, my daughter Adrina will be out and about. And it's like, oh, man, I really want that. And I'm like, okay. Make sure nobody else buys her that. And then I'll go and buy her that and put it in the shelf. And, and then six months later, they're able to enjoy that. And they're like, oh, yeah, I remember saying that I'd really like that. Those are the best kind of gifts to give people. So I want to give you guys one little word of wisdom for this giving season. Stop giving gifts that others don't want. When I was a kid, it was Christmas. I think I was maybe 10 years old. My dad bought me a train set, this Tyco train set. And it wasn't just the Tycho train set. It was an entire, in an entirely built Tycho train town. He had bought one of these four by eight pieces of plywood, put AstroTurf on it. He made little hills, made little tunnels and all this kind of stuff, put the track down, you know, all the lights and everything. And it was ready to go. Oh, 
I was crestfallen. I had no interest in trains. That was the year that Star Wars Empire Strikes Back came out. I wanted the At-At, you know, that big snow walker that they fought on the ice planet and Luke's hanging there with the, the lightsaber and he cuts it open and throws the grenade in and all that stuff. We could go on forever. But so that's really what I had... I'd set my, and I was very conservative with all the other gifts. I knew that was like a $50 item, which back in the day, that was a lot of money. And um, I get this train set. Well, I had a buddy, him and his dad were really into trains. In fact, their whole basement, they had tracks that ran all along the walls, all around the entire basement. And I was good friends with this kid. And so I think my dad thought, well, my son might like a smaller version of that. And I know it took a lot of hours and a lot of, effort for my dad to put this together. And I know that he was pretty stoked when he gave it to me. And so I tried to put my best face on it. We're inside. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get anything other than this big, huge gift. And I, and I didn't. So I didn't mean to be the ungrateful child, but I had no desire to play with the train set, which didn't impede my dad at all. Every time I got home from school, he was down there with the train set. So anyway, so I share this because God's gifts to others, we know, is the gift of eternal salvation. And we know that we as believers are called to evangelize. And yet some of us almost do it out of guilt. It's like, well, I know somebody that's not saved, so I should probably share the gospel with them. So we give them this whole blanket approach. We just kind of like, it's almost like a sales pitch. It's like, okay, let's close this deal. And the other person is like, whoa, 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 what's this? It's very off-putting for them. You're giving them something that... They, they do want, maybe they don't know that they want it, but they're not yet ready to receive that. And so I ask that you be sensitive to those that need to know Christ. And sometimes the very best gift that you can give them is you. Because in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, when Jesus is about ready to ascend into heaven, he tells his disciples, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You see, making disciples involves the same process Jesus did with his followers. He befriended them. He spent time with them. He got to know them. Now, I've got a couple of friends um, that I've gotten to know over the last two or three years, and they're, they're very it's it's no problem to understand what side of Christianity they stand on. They're, they don't go to church. They don't subscribe to church at all. But they don't hate me. So that's at least one foot in that camp to provide access to them, to to God, to the Holy Spirit. And they've been going through some difficult times. They, they had a loved one that passed away um, right before Thanksgiving. And I've had some loved ones that have passed away in the last years. And I just reached out to them, just, you know, let them know that they were, that they were in my, my thoughts and in my prayers. And it's been very interesting. They've never once said, don't pray for me. You know, they've never rejected me outright and said, no, I don't want you to, to pray to that invisible, phony God that you believe in. They've never said that at all. What's interesting is they go through their suffering cycle. I can walk beside them and share the strength that I've drawn as I've gone through my suffering cycle. I can show them how I've been able to endure. I can show them how my character has changed through overcoming those different kinds of things in my life. And in the end, I can share with them why it is that I'm excited that I have hope right now. And in that same way, the hope that I have can be then translated to them to the eternal gift of salvation. And there will become a time 
when I believe that I can. And maybe it won't be me. Maybe it will be someone else. Maybe I'm just a step along that journey that they can then look back and say, you know, I, I, there was a believer that I knew that helped me to get to where I am today. And if, if I can be a part of that process, I am just as happy as I am giving them that gift that maybe they don't want and they're not yet ready to receive. And so as we conclude today, I just want to challenge us to one, fully utilize the gift that you've been given with your eternal salvation. Because it's just not the far off eternal part of it that we're supposed to enjoy, but the living hope of Jesus part of it, accessed through the grace that we now have access to through our faith. And also give the gift of that eternal salvation in whichever stage it's applicable to those around you that God has given you influence. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the season that we're entering into. We're excited to be able to celebrate your birth and all that comes with it, the advent of nativity and Christmas. Lord, we know that the month of December is the month of giving for a lot of people, but we pray, Father God, that we would remember that we can give all throughout the year that you would keep our hearts fertile to the areas that you would have us to sow into and invest in in others' lives. Help us to fully utilize the gift of salvation. Help us to use the resources of your grace. And Father God, also help us to be the gift of salvation to others. Help us to specifically pray for those that we know need you, um, asking for those opportunities to share your love, to share your mercy, to share your grace. Lord, we thank you. We give you glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And I do invite you guys. We have a wonderful prayer team. These guys prepare their hearts before they come to church on Sunday. They are ready to meet specific needs that you want to lift up to God. Um, Don't pray for the Cowboys. It's just a hypothetical wish. Um, But um, you guys can pray for the Saints because we can't hope for them to go to the Super Bowl. God bless you guys and have a great week. We hope you've enjoyed this inspirational message. Please email questions, comments, and booking information for John to mail at johnlongwell.com to see the full range of creative works, including books, inspirational messages, music, art, and web development content. Please log on to www johnlongwell.com. Thank you for listening, and may God's blessings be yours in abundance.